Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Niche Podcast, but the one thing I know something about game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas. We are still looking at every GSN original, minus the poker shows, I think. We, we, I kind of try to glance over everything, and it's all a blur to me right now, because that was all, like, weeks in advance, so I don't even remember half the shit I've talked about. Uh, and I'm recording this about three weeks ahead of schedule, so by the time this comes out... Maybe Summer Fun and Games started. Maybe there's new Press Your Luck episodes. Maybe Big Brother started. I don't know. I don't know what lies ahead in the summer. Uh, currently speaking, uh, there's a show on Hulu called Secret Chef that looks like a lot of fun. There's a, there's a little cartoon named Chefy, and it's kind of like Solitary Cooking Edition. I kind of dig it because there's like a murder mystery kind of thing I also kind of enjoy. Uh, additionally, there's a whole lot of really bad formats coming down the horizon, uh, that will give me an aneurysm if I just keep talking about them. So instead we're going to be talking about GSN Originals today, which are already one and done shit shows, to say the least. Um, I don't like talking bad about Game Show Network that much, because to me Game Show Network has done a lot of great, uh, work in, in analyzing, uh, cataloging, just archiving iconic game shows for decades and decades to come. If it wasn't for Game Show Network, I'm sure a lot of people in the game show fandom would not have taped these episodes and saved them for their own collection, only to digitize them and upload them for YouTube or Internet Archive, which makes it preservation worthy, and I think that's a fantastic job. And even these really low <laughs> game shows uh, that I'm talking about throughout this adventure even though there might be one seasons, might be very redundant to say they double in round two, there, there is always something fun about them because at least they're trying something, right? They're, they're trying something unique to, to fill in from just, here's a family feud repeat. And anything that's not a family feud repeat is fine with me. Not that I don't like family feud, especially Steve Harvey's edition. It's just, you can only handle so much penis, Steve, that you just end up just getting tired. Anyway, let's talk about Mind of a Man, a game show where women have to get into the mind of a man. Recently, we talked about Mark Cronin, and we recently talked about a whole lot of game shows that happened with GSN. Now, we're going to be talking about a short-lived one-and-done series called Mind of a Man, hosted by D. Ray Davis. Yes, one of my favorite comedians, D. Ray Davis. Uh, hosted a game show on GSN. That's about as positive as I could talk about it. Uh, it lasted one season, 40 episodes, and was in 2014. Now, essentially, this was at a time when GSN was still trying to figure out its brand identity, and they tried to come up with this lighthearted game about what do men really think? Kind of like just men, but not really just men. Uh, probably because of the success of the MTV2 show Guy Code would be the best way to describe it. So they made Guy Code into a game show, but not on MTV, on Game Show Network. Essentially, what happens is there are two ladies who are the contestants, and they have to figure out how guys think. You know, dudes. You know, guys. But because it's a comedy game show, they don't just have to think about their own. They have a panel of experts comprised of two guys and one woman, most of the time, are comedians. 
So they're basically telling jokes about each of these things. So if you kind of like that Hollywood Squares, according to this magazine, what do guys think is the most popular place to take a lady out on a date? This is that kind of game show. And they already asked that question four times in the season. So what happens is there's a question and three possible answers, and it's up to the contestant to pick the most popular answer among a group of 100 guys. If they are correct and they get the help of a panel, they get $200. Now they both get to play with the panel and they both get to answer at the same time. So it's not back and forth situation. It's all at the same time, which is great. Then in round two, after we did three questions, we get to do the same thing, but now it's a bit more specific. What did college men say? What did uh, Asian men say? What did senior men say in this terms of another prediction? Each one of these is worth $300. And then uh, one specific uh, group of men and then a special guest related to the question, the VIP ends the round, typically Ted Lange. You know, you know, Isaac from the Love Boat. We're just, we got him, so he's, we can easily book him for this game show. And he gets the VIP question. In the third round, which they call the mail order, uh, each contestant, starting with the current person in lead, or a tie, a uh, coin toss, is given one question. And they can pick one of the three panelists to assist him on the question. For the mail order question, the contestants asked to rank the three answers from popular to least popular. So now, instead of giving the most popular answer, they have to rank it first, second, and third. Although the panelists will give their opinion as to the correct ranking, the contestant gets the final decision. They get $100 if they answer, if they get one in the right spot, but if they get three for three, they get $500 which as you can know, is kind of like a bullshit game breaker, but that's not the game shit in the bullshit game breaker. No, 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 you, you think so, but it's not. And plus it's only one question. <clears throat> anyway, after the third round, we go to the fourth round, which is the bullshit tiebreaker called men's high five. In men's high five, more men were opinion, 200 in fact. The top five answers are on the board in a random order. And the panel, again, gives their opinion what will be the most popular answer. So now let's have three possible answers. It's five. And the score going into this question is tied. The contestants are led to select one answer. And the winner of the pre-show coin toss decides who makes the first selection. But, of course, whoever is in the lead in this round will get to pick first. This is important because it's only one question and it's winner take all. If she picks the correct answer that's the most popular, then she wins the game and advances to the bonus round. But if not, play goes to the opponent with the four remaining answers to try and pick the most popular answer. If not, it goes back to player one with the three answers left. And of course, it leads to the final two if, and goes to the remaining player. If she's wrong on that last attempt, the final two, of course, by default, that means the trailing player, the first place person, wins the game and goes on to the bonus round. 
Did you get all that? Basically just one question to win it all. No cash prize. It's just this determines who goes to the bonus round and wins the cash. So then we go to the bonus round. They're calling it the $10,000 tag team round. Tag team, tag team. It's tag team round. The contestant chooses one of the three comedian panelists to assist them. There's a series of pairs of related items, boxers or briefs, action movies or horror movies. And in turn, they both go back and forth to determine what's the most popular answer. So she decides, and then the comedian decides, and she decides, and the comedian decides. And they have to get seven right in 30 seconds. If they are right, they get $10,000. But if they fail, they get $300 for every correct answer given within the 30 seconds. So obviously it's a little bullshit to give $10,000, but then again, it's Game Show Network. They always give out $10,000 now. It's always $10,000. They never want to change it up. They don't want to go with some sort of like $9,999 or, or $11,000 or any sort of $5,000 bonus or something of the sort. No, they're just going to go $10,000. Well, it is a very funny show. It is also very silly. Uh, D-Ray Davis was, again, one of my favorite hosts. In a show like this, he actually had a strong suit of telling jokes. And the comedians that they got, these were really younger acts. In fact, one comedian uh, would end up wowing the Game Show Network producers so much, he would get invited back to host a game show of his own, and that would be the one and only Ben Glebe. That's right, folks. Ben Glebe started out as just a guest on Mind of a Man, and because he was just so funny and the uh, the producers were so impressed, he got to end up spinning off and hosting another game show, India Test, that became a more longer-running mental puzzle game show. So what have we learned about this? Absolutely nothing. However, it was one of the more long it was one of the more higher watched game shows on Game Show Network, with the premiere episode almost at a half a mil, and then every so often about 112,000 people between the ages of 18 to 49, which is very rare for a game show network to even get, even in 2014. They actually had a marathon of episodes, according to the Wikipedia page. I remember watching it um, on a weekend for the first time because I did not know what time it was. And it was such a silly show because it because here's the thing. Even though it's a Game Show Network bullshit $10,000 game, I would compare Mind of a Man to Street Smarts more than I would uh, any of the GSN shows because it's more played for laughs. It's more played for comedy. And... It really was a lot of great dating jokes, a lot of great uh, guy jokes, a lot of jokes about insecurity of guys. Like, it was so funny and really ahead of its time. But again, a show like this, I, I think only lasted one season, simply put, because maybe they put it at the wrong schedule time lack of advertising or just like as a game show maybe they just ran out of the kind of provocative questions however even though it followed all of the same tropes of a gsn original i still think this one was one of the more 
smart shows, to say the least. And I think that is something that I, I want to take behind. Just because the show, quote-unquote, failed and was a one-and-done, doesn't mean that it flopped in my mind. Sure, in, in, in one season and done, it's a flop, but given the circumstance of the comedians, the casting, the uh, format, the jokes, this would have been a big hit if this came out last year, three years ago, that sort of thing that's more modern day, sort of guys be like, women be like. But unfortunately, uh, it only lasted one season. I'm going to chalk it up to fragile male egos. Cancel the fucking show. How dare they make fun of me, the white guy. I have rhythm. See, listen to my rhythm. You want to make fun of me, the white guy, for having rhythm? You, fuck you. But it's still a very funny show. If there's a way to watch an episode, please do. I think it's a more entertaining half hour than a lot of game shows these days. That was Mind of a Man. A really weird show. Again, I just... GSN Originals are very weird like that. Sometimes the show is very clever and then just doesn't really uh, fit. Additionally, I think a lot of these are a blur because, again, not a lot of attention shows up. Like most game shows that I recall, like even Double Dare on Nickelodeon, they say it's back, but they don't repeat those episodes. It's like you have to watch at 8 o'clock or else. And I kind of want more repeat viewing, to be honest, and just sort of non-existent and that, that kind of is a disappointment anyway uh this next game show is one that's for all the people who love eggplant emojis and peach emojis this is emojinius the big money game show the sixty-four thousand dollar question would debut in 1955 hosted by the great hal marsh segued about 60 years later and the grandson, Hunter Marsh, would end up hosting a game show of his own. That's right, Emo Genius. No, not about emotional music, but rather emojis. Because that's what the kids are into these days. So the game is, for lack of a better word, a default GSN game show. I hate to always say that, but... Again, this we're talking GSN originals for this like next few months, so you should pretty much figure it's you've seen one of these shows. The the story's kind of the same, so it's played with two teams of two, and they go through you guessed it three rounds. But unlike most GSN originals, where it's a single, a double, and a bullshit catch-up round, it's a single, a not quite double. And a bullshit catch-up round, followed by the usual keep the money but play for $10,000 bonus round. <clears throat> so, in round one, the team is going to try to get the message. Essentially, what happens is there's a text conversation, but then there are some emojis that are going to try to be a puzzle to decipher what somebody is doing or what movie somebody is watching. Basically, some sort of thing in the world of fun. So, hey, I'm at the movie. What should I see? And then you see car uh, and an angry emote. And then you would have to decipher it to be fast and furious. You get it? 
like like cars and angry. That's what we're dealing with. Now, we get to do this four times. The first two, one for each team, is worth 100, while the other one is worth 200. However, if they fail to decipher the clue, it goes over to the other team to steal for half the money, which means 50 or $100. In round two, so that is get the message. Round two, it's not a bullshit catch-up round, but it is also a bullshit. So the first one was worth 100, the second one's worth 200. These next ones are gonna be worth $300 each. But here's the catch. It's not a bullshit double anything round. No, 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 no. This is called in-app purchase. You get it? Like, like at the store? The in-app pur purchase? The in-app purchase. Yes. Okay, so it starts out at $300, but if they need more hints at what the, the movie or the celebrity is, they can purchase help at $100 a piece. So $300 question becomes 200 becomes 100 If they fail to solve within 20 seconds, the opponent can steal for the remaining money. Like in round one, there's only two questions per team, meaning four in round two. Then we go into round three called hit send. In this final round, it's basically the bullshit catch-up round. There's going to be some sort of person, place, thing, event, category. And one team member has to use a touch screen to poke at emojis to try and like charade what that clue is for their partner. For each one that they get, it's worth $400. Each team has 45 seconds to get as many as possible. Whoever has the most after 45 seconds and wins the game, keeps the money and plays for $10,000. And if in the bullshit catch-up round someone has overtaken, they could keep going to win more money. So it's also like a $4 speed round if you know they're very far ahead in the game. Anyway, in the event of a tie, they do a bullshit tiebreaker. You know how it works. Hey, here's a thing. It's kind of like the first round clues. Ring in. If you're right, you win. If you're wrong, your opponents win. <clears throat> Um, it moves on to the final round, which is called Masters of Text. You know, like Masters of Sex, the topical uh, hit prestige television series, Masters of Sex. You, you've seen it, right? About the about how the sex therapy worked back in the sixty. It's 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 really very popular on. I assume Max. Is it? It isn't an HBO Max show, or was it a Showtime? Probably a max. Okay. So in the hit send round, you know, the players would have to send emotes to determine the person, place, or thing. But in this round, it has to be, you can pass as many times as you need. But you have to uh, reverse the roles back and forth. So the giver of the clues is going to receive, and then the receiver is going to give, and back and forth, and back and forth. Each message solved in this round is worth $200. But if you can solve five within a minute, you'll get $10,000. That's it. So you got to get five right in, I believe, 60 seconds. And then you win $10,000. It, it's a very cute little final round. It to me, when it comes to these end games where 
it's the get so many in 60 seconds, 10 and 60 or whatever. It's okay. But Emo Genius having it be 5 and 60 and it having this lighthearted beat to it, even though it's still a dramatic point, makes for an interesting final round. Uh, sometimes it's worth 20000 Oh, okay. It's basically Idiot Test. They basically, this was the time when everything was trying to pull off Idiot Test. A $10,000 prize, two teams of two, the host trying to be a comedian. It's okay. Now, here's the one thing that I never knew until uh, recently is that emotes are copyrighted. So anything that's on the iPhone or an Ant or a Galaxy or Twitter is the intellectual property of the iPhone, the Galaxy, etc. So the people at Emo Genius had to actually construct emojis for everything, including emojis that don't really exist. So it made for, I guess, interesting things to see a weird smiley face and then see blue hair and then see clown nose. It's weird. Um, but hey, it made for an interesting show. Unfortunately, Emo Genius only lasted one season and 40 episodes. Even though it said it was going to be green, it had it was going to be green for season two. It just never came up. Most likely because the viewership was very low, and the fact that it's emoji as the premise is essentially trying to appeal to the youths, the youth kids of the day. But as we all know, a lot of people who are older still have cable television and watch Game Show Network. So it's two different audiences, and most likely that was the reason for its cancellation. Also, can any, like, senior citizen know who hunter marsh is do they watch uh awesomeness tv i remember they had nightly pop last year but i think that show got canceled and hunter marsh was a was a host on that he was actually pretty fun um and he also i think as um he's also been doing something else too i think he's on tiktok now i think he's doing tiktok stuff um so, so in conclusion, Emogenius is a clever type of word puzzle. It's trying to do pictograms. It's trying, I would say it's more pictograms and rebus puzzle. Uh, and the fact that the contestants had a giant tablet to work with in real time actually gave it some sort of new sort of thing. However, because the whole premise is emoji, it just sort of feels dated. Like, eventually, in 10 years' time, a show like this will show up and you're like, oh, this is like when, like, the kids go, you kids in your text messaging, you kids in your Facebook, like, that, just that little outdated thing that is now, like, just commonplace, because I think now everybody sometimes uses emotes, whether it's emails or text messages or social media posts, they're commonplace now. Uh, be sure to uh, eggplant, peach, mouth. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it? I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm trying to talk about produce. Sorry, I don't work at Hot Topic. Anyway, uh, Emo Genius. It's clever. It's a. 
Look, you can only do guessing games so much that, hey, trying to try change it up always is fun and unique. Um, but Game Show Network, I'm just going to throw this out here, is full of duds. It's full of dud shows. As much as I love the in-studio concepts, most of the time they really are like at the last moment doing something that's already existent. Like, Hey Yahoo, which just came out, is a fine show. But I remember when it's Google Feud like almost like eight years ago, and now it's a Yahoo-based game show. Could be worse. It could be Bing. Uh, but it, it's just sort of just a, oh, okay. Oh, okay, fine. And when you see that there's new game shows coming down, like Raid the Cage and Lotteria Loca, and there's just a thousand game shows because Writer's Strike is going on, and we need as much unscripted shows as possible away from the studios as possible, it just makes me upset. But one thing that will always make me upset are two genres of television, cooking competition shows and dating shows. And E and GSN decided to try and get their hands on one through the fun game show known as Fake a Date. Fake a Date was a reality competition show where a person goes on a date with two people. One is really looking for love and is single, but the other one is not and already has someone that they're romantically inclined to. If the lady picks the right person for a second date and it turns out that they're single, then she wins a fabulous vacation that she could take with the guy. But be careful if she picks incorrectly and picks someone already looking at love and has a suitor, then he gets to go on a date with their girlfriend. What a dilemma! This kind of game concept would show up in later games, such as uh, Gay, Straight, or Married, where the lady would go on three dates, but the catch being one is straight and looking for love, one is married and it already has a wife, and the other one is gay. Oh, oh! Gay Straight or Married would only last one season and would be a horrible failure. Fake a Date would only last one season and also be a horrible failure. The only thing worth noting about this show, Fake a Date, is the show's host, Evan Marriott. Evan Marriott would be known as the first Joe Millionaire, as in, he's just a construction worker, but he's pretending to be a rich guy. So I think he knows something about lying and dating. Hmm. Fake a date would also have the same sort of uh, appeal and dating graphics that you would see in things like Blind Date and Fifth Wheel and all of those awkward shows where it's just like, hey, they're at Casa Vega eating food in the dark area. And then here they are in Woodland Hills Bowling doing a bowling that's it. That's the show. That's all I could really talk about for Fake a Date, because it really lasts not that many episodes. There's nothing really memorable about the show other than that's the game concept. But it's also a broken game concept, because what if you don't really like the person that's single that you want to go on a date with? So that means you're fucked because you can't really win because someone's already seen somebody and the other one sucks. So it's not really a good looking for love kind of concept of a game show. Gay Straight or Mary at least had the twist of there's a gay guy 
to make it even more interesting. But then again, there's already a lot of fucking dating shows like this. Did I mention playing it straight yet? That one dating show where it is a gay guy looking for love, but the twist is that there are straight guys pretending to be gay because if they could convince the bachelor person to pick them at the end of the show, they win cash prizes, which is exactly the same fucking concept as Fuckboy Island, where there's a girl looking for love, but there's guys who are just looking for sex and money, and if they pick the fuckboys, the fuckboys make the money. Did I mention how fucking shit dating shows are yet because i'm going to keep hammering this home dating shows are the worst part of game shows while things like dating game were very silly because of double entendres while things like the newlywed game is all about synergy and the jokes being when something mismatches and there's that little fight that little mini fight these are shows where there are complete strangers being actors bullshitting around because they get money no matter what happens on the date. Sorry, Rendezvous never got a third season, Greg Proops. The show fucking sucked. Sorry, Tom Godlieb. Sorry, Aisha Tyler. The Fifth Wheel was such a great show because it's a show where strangers become friends, friends become lovers, and lovers become bitter, suicidal exes all on the same show. It's all the same crap. It's all the terrible dating shows that happen. Why? Why are there so many dating shows? One, it's very fucking cheap. You get a location, you get people, and you already have your production arc, which makes it easy for editing. They're looking for love. What does it mean for love? So you're trying to write a romantic comedy based on unscripted and scripted stuff that happens. But none of that shit fucking matters. And the only thing that's kind of perfected that kind of concept as at the moment is the Bachelor Nation kind of shows. The Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelorette. And guess what happens with those shows? Whoever gets fucked over becomes the new Bachelor or the Bachelorette. And then you get excited because they're going to be back next season. Hooray! And then what happens is they look for love and then they fall by the wayside until Bachelor in Paradise decides to pick them up because we need to have reality competition shows of, hey, remember this contestant? Because that's all they fucking do on those shows. And also, it's also fucking written out. Sometimes the Bachelor doesn't know who to fucking pick, so the producers kind of hint at who they should be picking to keep in the competition to stir more drama. The lady doesn't give a shit about farming. They're just doing a farming competition for the sake of having a farming competition. Because isn't it funny to see guys milk a fucking cow? That's next. That's Date My Mom. That's Room Raiders. That's all of these fucking dating show bullshit. None of them are ever fucking good. And at the time of the 2000s, they were the cheapest fucking shows to make. Because you just really needed one or two cameras, maybe a microphone, and that's it. Let's go to the restaurant, have them film their conversation. What are they really talking about? God knows who cares. Oh, how's it going? I'm doing good. How about you? Yeah, I'm fine. That's the fucking show. And people fucking ate this shit up?
Go fuck yourselves, you fucking dumbasses. I hate myself, and I hate dating shows. Dating shows are still technically game shows, so that means sometime in the near future, I'm gonna have to talk about MTV shows. I have to talk about all those dating shows that isn't singled out because I recover. I remember talking about singled out a long time ago. But man, dating shows are just rubbish. Do people find love on those shows sometimes, but most likely no. Uh. Anyway, fake a dick sucked ass. I ugh. It still leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And the final game show today, if you really want to call it a game show, some people say it's not a game show. Some people say it's a boring ass show. It's one that is a cult classic in the world of game shows. It's one that not a lot of people remember because it's also short lived. This is a game show called DJ Games. So the next game show I want to talk about is a, a weird, obscure game show. I'm putting in air quotes because some people say it's not technically a game show. It's a documentary series called DJ Games. Uh, it aired in the 2000s to 2001 in what I would say is the infinite void era of game show network. Inquisition was on the air, but the Renaissance didn't really exist yet where it was essentially this nice little concept where they go to different local radio stations to do call-and-win contests and in-studio game formats, you know, who knows the most about trivia, and they would record contestants playing those games in the studio or the call-and-win contest, you know, the silly, wacky kind of games... Uh, hot dog eating contests, name that tune style shows. Never anything out of the ultra wacky kind of shock jock era, but in that kind of afternoon drive time kind of, we'll go into a little bit of the silly. There's a little bit of a dare going on, but nothing too gross or foul or anything. It's more of a who knows this band more competitions and they would air those on game show network. And I wanted to have a quick moment to talk about that because it, to me it is a game show, but they don't actually like get any advertised prizes. But what I liked about it was essentially, I don't think we'll ever cover this on game shows. I suppose because it's, it, it's partially a game show, but not really a game show. Additionally, it's nothing else to really talk about. It's there's different stations and they play games. That's it. So they do they say it's a morning zoo type, but they don't get the full on wacky offensive like Opie and Anthony at the time. This would be kind of the like I love classic raw kind of host. What I liked about DJ Games was it felt like a coast-to-coast -coast game show. It felt like, let's promote this local station in this city, and let's go to this city for this show. Let's go here for this game. And then if you like that team, they would be back in a few episodes later for another little challenge. And you got to see a whole lot of disc jockeys in America, which I thought was very cool at the time. And later on, it sort of is this um, really fun concept of just people having fun. It's very light. 
DJ games. When we come to game shows, you know, there's high stakes game shows. There is wacky game shows. Game shows are supposed to make you scream at the TV. And then there's the game shows where you're it's just passive watching. And DJ games is very passive watching, but very entertaining. This is the kind of stuff that if you go on YouTube now, they would already film and upload those kind of things. So they were already ahead of the time of the promote the local station and promote the contest by filming the contest taking place, but through a TV show, and that was DJ Games. They also had a very catchy theme song, which was just one voice saying, DJ Games! And then that, that's it. I don't think it was like that. It was more like a DJ Games. Like a Zoog Disney. Um, but I thought that was one of the cooler kind of shows. For many people, they don't consider it a game show because it wasn't in studio. There's no real format. It's just sort of just rehashing a studio game that already aired and seeing what takes place. Do they win the money? Because they do like a $50, $100, $200 challenge and they win the money. And there's $200. Uh, it, to me, it's such a good game show because it was it was showing America off. It was showing local stations off, giving every personality a chance to get their face on TV at a time when it really didn't happen. It was very lighthearted games to play, so very casual viewing experience, and one that was sort of just fell into obscurity. To me, there really isn't anything memorable about DJ games. There's nothing to really analyze about DJ games. For me, it's one of the more prolific shows because it was one of the rare opportunities Game Show Network went away from just making a game show, but still it's technically a game show because there's a game being played and they're sh showing it off. But to me, I, I thought that is the brilliance of a show. So simple, it worked. And later they would do the big buck scandal and they would, I mean, they did faux pas earlier, but to me, that's why I like DJ games. It was just a simple classic. Let's watch radio stations play games. It's hard to find episodes on the internet. When I last found one was on daily motion. But now if you want to watch it, you have to watch it on the internet archive. Games. The best way to describe DJ games, I think this is the best comparison. You know how people have like an obsession about diners, drive-ins, and dives because of Guy Fieri's character and then him going across the country and then meeting people? Imagine that, but there's many, many Guy Fieri's. That is DJ games. And instead of, hey, show me how you make your iconic omelet, it is, hey, do you want to see Gladys Knight in concert? That to me is DJ games. And it's so simplistic, so fun. And it's one of those addictive shows that I wish there were more episodes, but it basically fell off the face of the earth. I would say of all the game shows that are Game Show Network originals, DJ games would be the one most labeled lost media, even though I still hate that term lost media, because I'm sure someone out there has taped the episodes of DJ games. I'm sure there are disc jockeys 
from the time the show aired that taped their episodes and saved them. And they have them on for when they were a DJ at the station. And they're like, oh, yeah, and a game show network showed up and I had DJ games. But, yeah, I can't really find much episodes of DJ games. But it's such a fun, cute show and one I highly recommend watching. Was DJ games the best game show? Absolutely not. But at least it tried to offer something unique in terms of what could be labeled a game show. When we look at GSN... You know, there's lots of different eras. There's the Winnie era with Bob Barker, Price is Right reruns. There's the uh, the 2000s era with the spinny ball and then the GSN originals. A lot of people really think the golden era with Russian roulette and whammy is the best era of GSN. But it's been around for so long now. It's, it's been since the 90s. And nowadays, when I think GSN, I kind of think of a high of of first of all the gaming bullshit that they do. It's really more of like an online game website. And two, it's game show repeats of game shows that they already own because it's much cheaper to replay the game shows in your own catalog than it is to simply call up Fremontal or Endemol and go, "Hey, we need a. Can you give us the card sharks?" Because they're currently doing Buzzer right now, and that has all of those. And now there's direct competition. Buzzer does not have GSN originals. Buzzer doesn't even have their own originals, as far as I'm concerned. They have the, just their own repeats of game shows. And when we're in this fast channel lineup, I don't know how long these original game shows are going to last. Especially when everything's going online and streaming. So, I... Unless you're going to try and put these 40 episodes up to a streaming service like a Pluto TV, it's going to be hard to kind of get people motivated to watch GSN and these really cheap game shows. Especially when, like, Mr. Beast has, like, competition shows and there are all these Netflix reality shows. Like, there, there's going to keep being competition shows but GSN needs to figure out what to do in the near future, and I don't know if that's going to be the case, uh, if they're just going to keep doing the same old, same old. But hey, if the same old, same old's working, people are buying cable subscriptions and it's background noise, then so be it. Go for it, buddy. But anyway, that's going to do it for tonight's episode. Yes, there's probably going to be lots of news on the horizon of stuff I have missed. I'm recording these well in advance so I can have a more relaxing summer. But I really hope that you guys enjoy some of these new game shows on the horizon or watch some reruns because game shows are still one of the best genres of television, still one of the best play-alongs to watch. And even though a lot of these game shows that I talked about tonight have been duds, who's to say that next week's selection will get any better? Maybe this will be another great game show, I suppose. Till next time... Jordan Haas signing off. Big smooch. Mwah.